I want to welcome all of you here this morning. If you don't know, my name is Greg. I am uh, the lead pastor here along with my wife, Amber. also want to welcome those that are with us online again. We're so glad that you are a part of things here uh, this morning. But this morning, I'm excited uh, to be able to invite somebody up here to the stage. And so uh, where are they at? Is there somebody coming to the stage? There they are. Get on up here. If you don't know who this is, this is Dan, uh, Pastor Dan and Amanda Jewell. And uh, I told Dan he'd have the privilege of introducing somebody to us this morning. If you can let that mic be on here. Hello. Good morning, church. Pastor Dan, Pastor Amanda, and uh, it is our high honor and extreme privilege and tremendous joy to introduce our son, Camden Kelly Jewell. Uh, some of you don't know our story. Some of you do know our story. We dealt with infertility for uh, about four years, and uh, it, is, it is just a tremendous joy to be on this side of the, the race. And so I just want to say this. If you're dealing with infertility, that is a common issue, and it's not talked about enough. And our encouragement is if you are dealing with this, God has given us this community to lean into, yeah. and you need to talk about your struggle. That's and great. so uh, that's my encouragement for you this morning. Thank you, church. All right, you got to give us you got to give us more than that. Okay, give okay. us the stats. Okay, how big was he? Okay, six pounds, twelve ounces. Woo! Six pounds, twelve ounces. That's right. Nineteen and three quarters long. Okay, okay. How you sleeping? Uh, yeah. We had a good night last night. Five, five hours. Five hours. I feel like great. a new man. Way to go. Okay, most important question, Amanda, has he figured out how to put a diaper on yet? Oh, yeah. Dan is the pro diaper changer. Oh, that's great. That's great. I don't mess around with the diapers. That's good. Get that thing done. Awesome. Give it up for these two. We love Thanks, them. Thanks, church. I'm going to make it difficult for you. Walk downstairs with a baby in your hands. Good job. Way to go. All right. Well, hey, before I jump into our message this morning, I just want to make you aware of next Sunday. Next Sunday, we are kicking off a brand new teaching series, a three-week series I've just entitled Cash Values, and we're going to be talking about money, talking about money. I say this all the time. Other than the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke more about money than anything else. Why? Because it's one of the biggest challenges that we have. If we want to really live our faith out, then we have to allow that faith to impact how we relate to and how we interact with money. And so over the next few weeks, I would encourage you, this is something every one of us needs to be reminded of. Every one of us needs a little encouragement challenge, and, uh, and I think it's going to be good for you. So go ahead and come. Uh, you know, if you got that, that friend who's like, the church always talks about money, just warn them if they're coming, okay? Because <laughs> we're going to talk about money next week, all right? Uh, but we hope that this is a powerful series for you, all right? Uh, but this morning, uh, I get to wrap up the series that we have been in over the last seven weeks, the series I Am, as we have been talking about the whole idea of identity. And I've said this to you over and over again. We've asked this question, who am I? From the youngest age to the end of your life, you're asking the question, who am I? And if you remember way back in week number one, if you remember, I asked you, hey, if, think to yourself, if I was going to ask a question, who are you? How would you answer that question? And my hope is, after seven weeks, you would have a better answer than you did seven weeks ago. 
Because every one of us, you remember when you're a kid, you're like, you f- we'll find our identity in what? Like, oh, am I the, in the popular crowd? Do I have the right clothes? You know, am I getting a good GPA? Am I on the right sports team? When you get a little bit older, it's like, oh, do I have the right job? Do we find our identity in our spouse and our kids in these things? When you get, you know, even older, you, might, you find your identity in your grandkids. Or like, oh, I'm a success. Or, oh, I was a failure. We find our identities in these things. But God has an identity that he wants to give us that can never be taken away. And this is the last time you get to see the beautiful art that I came up with a few weeks back, and it's this boat, remember? Remember, God has an identity for us, and where is it found? It is found in Christ. And when we are in Christ, it's the same as when we get in a boat. When you're in a boat, there are things that become true of you, not because you're awesome, but simply because you got in the boat. And so for us, I pray every time you see a stupid boat, would you be reminded of this, okay? Would you be reminded, there is an identity for me, and it's not because of my greatness. It's because I am in Christ. May we never lose sight of that. If there's anything that we get a hold of in this series, in Christ, there are good things. There is every spiritual blessing for you in Christ, amen? That's what this is about, okay? And so I... uh, I had something made up for you guys. Hopefully, you got one of these. Wave these at me if you got these here. You got these cards, okay? Got these cards. We'll talk about them again at the end, but here's my prayer. You notice one side, we got the series. On the back side, it is a list of all the statements that we talked about in this series. And, and I pray this isn't one of those little dumb things that after service, I find 100 of these strewn about the sanctuary. I pray that's not what happens. Here's what I pray happens. You would take this card, and you put it somewhere you will fi- see early in the morning. Like, not at the end of the day, early in the morning. And may we begin to live from this. Take a moment to pray about, God, help me to live out of the reality of of what this says about who I am in Christ. All right, take that with you. And I pray that this would really transform our lives moving forward. So today we get to wrap up the series, the final statement. And uh, this is going to be one of those that that is a little bit of a challenge as we look at this topic. And I I think God's going to really mess with us a little bit this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. As you turn there, just remember we're in our reading plan. So if you've gotten off, jump on back in. Go to our homepage on our website. You can uh, do that. We're wrapping up, trying to get our way through the New Testament by the end of the year here now. Would you stand with me? So we're going to read our primary text. This is a really, really long passage that I've got for you here. So just got to kind of stick with me, okay? Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that you want to speak to us. God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. This is not my words, God. I pray that your word would would just penetrate our hearts and that the truth of this would would just shake us and, and change us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. How many of you ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? How many of you seen the movie The Princess Bride? You ever seen the movie? Okay. It's a great movie. It is a, exactly. It is a classic. If you've never seen it, you need to go see that movie, okay? It's great. It's got everything. It's got the action and the romance, and it's got the suspense, and, and it's shockingly clean for a Hollywood movie, okay? So I'd encourage you to go see that movie. But there's a character in there. How many remember the character of Vicini in that movie? Short little bald dude, okay? And in that movie, he kept saying a word over and over again. How many remember what word it was? There it is. Not just inconceivable, inconceivable, exactly. Said it over and over and over and over and over again in that movie. But there's a moment, if you've seen the movie, you remember the moment where Inigo Montoya says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. 
And uh, there is one word that we just read in the book of Philippians that I think is just like that. It's the word that gets translated servants. Servants. Okay? Uh, the, the original, you know this, that the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Okay? So what we've got is translations of that. The original word that we have in there is, is doulas. Doulas. Not doula. We're not talking, you know, child birthing or whatever. Doulas. Doulas. And what does doulas mean? Here's the deal. There is no confusion about what this word actually means historically. There's literally no confusion. We know what it means. The problem is conveying that meaning to a modern world. And uh, you might think, what's the big deal? Just say what it means. Say what it means. It's not a big deal, right? Because here's the reason. The, the literal understanding of this word is most closely and clearly expressed by the word slave. Slave. And uh, I think a lot of us would say, really? Like, that, that's, that's a word? Like, like, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus? That seems weird to say out loud, and particularly for us, anybody in the last three to 400 years, you know, when we think about slavery, we think about the disgusting, repulsive transatlantic slave trade. That's what we think about. And as a result, for, for a lot of translators, they look at the word, and their, their job is to help communicate and translate the word, and they can do literal translation or sometimes take an idea. And what has happened is that that this word slave is, in most translation, is somewhat removed. Sometimes they'll use servant, sometimes they'll use bondservant, some of these other words to try and express it. But here's what I think. I think the attempt to disassociate with this connection to the slavery mindset that we've had over the maybe the last three to 400 years, the, the desire to disassociate from that concept of slavery has unfortunately uh, cause us to miss an association that is critical to our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so I want to dig into this. I want to I understand the historical context of what this is and then apply this to what does it really mean to follow Jesus. And this may change some of your minds and your understanding, and I pray that it does. So I think this is a critical element that we miss as followers of Jesus, okay? And so we talk about slavery. What slavery biblically and in this time was prevalent in the Roman Empire. Okay, when you understand slavery, at one point it's estimated that as much as 25% of the Roman Empire was a slave to someone else. Okay, and so what did slavery look like at that period of time? What it looked like totally depended, hear this, totally depended on who the master was. Okay, totally dependent. Now, if you had a cruel master... And specifically, you were a slave out on a farm or something like that. It might take a resemblance of what we understand as slavery here in America. But there were also slaves that were doctors and professionals and served other roles. And let's say you serve a kind and benevolent master in the city. Your, your position might look more like an executive assistant than a slave that we would understand. Okay, But hear this. The fundamental realities were the same. And what is that? The slave was owned by the master. The master's the one who calls the shots. He has the power of decision-making over the slave. They are not free to do as they please. Their purpose is to please their master. Success in their life is to bring their master joy. And this concept is all over the New Testament. This isn't something we want to talk about all that often, but this word doulos, doulos, remember? 
So often it gets translated as servant. That is a, a very low understanding of what this is. Because if you, if you say, well, I'm a servant of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a servant like when I feel like it, I'll do stuff for him. And when I don't, I'll do what I want to. That's not what the word doulos means. It means he's in control. He's the one calling the shot. He is my master. So again, doulos is used over 120 times in the New Testament. Paul and Timothy, right here, they say, Paul and Timothy, we are slaves of Christ Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Remember, he doesn't start his book by saying, James, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. I'm pretty cool. No, he says, James, what? Slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, remember Peter, the one in charge of the New Testament church? Like he was the head of the church, the spiritual leader. What does he call himself in 2 Peter, right at the beginning? Peter, slave of Jesus Christ. That's who he sees himself. It is all over the New Testament. In fact, Paul, when he's dealing with this, hear this in the book of Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthians church, and I've said this before, the, Christian, the Corinthian church was crazy, okay? They were crazy, off doing some crazy stuff, and he's confronting them about their sexual immorality because they're all over the board doing stuff they probably shouldn't be doing, right? And he's saying, listen, guys, you can't do that. Stop doing that with your bodies. You have to understand, you, your bodies, right? You have to understand, you are the temple of the living God. Do you understand that? Your very body is the temple of the living God. And he goes on and he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You want to pull that up? It says this. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Hear that? That's slave master language right there. See, I, I think about my, my kids. Because like, my kids, I buy them stuff sometimes, you know. All of us parents, we like to buy ourselves stuff. How many parents out there bought yourself a kid something and you see them not taking care of what you've bought them? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> exactly, right? You, got the sh you bought them the shoes, you bought them the shirt, you bought them all the stuff, whatever, and they're not taking care of it. And I'm like, you got to take care of that, right? Like, it's mine. I'm like, no, it ain't, boy. I bought it for you. We'll take it back, okay? Right? Like, I'm letting you use that shirt right now. That is my shirt, Okay? I bought it with a price, <laughs> okay? And this is what we have to understand when you get into the New Testament. This understanding that, listen, we are not our own, right? And you might say to yourself, but Greg, Greg, I don't know about that, okay? Hear this. All over, I, Charles uh, Spurgeon, there was, a, there was a sermon that he preached back in the 1800s. And I want to read a little bit of a passage. This is the understanding. We talk about these early believers. We say, oh, we want to be like the, the New Testament church. We want to be like the Book of Acts kind of church. Okay, here's what, it, here's what the Book of Acts church said. The early saints delighted to count themselves Christ's absolute property, bought by him, owned by him, and wholly at his disposal. Paul even went so far as to rejoice that he had the marks of his master brand on him. And he cries, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Goes on, he says, there was uh, the end of all debates. He was the Lord's and the marks of his scourges. Think about it. The marks of his scourges, the rods and the stones that he experienced were the broad arrow of the king, which marked Paul's body as the property of of, the G of Jesus the Lord. Now, if the saints of old time gloried in obeying Christ, I pray that you and I may feel that our first object in life is to obey our Lord. Now, I know that this, kind of, this is not the kind of message that gets preached a whole lot. It doesn't go over real well. Okay, because you're like, but, but Greg, 
What about like the Jesus that sets me free, right? He sets me free. Ah, right? We sing the songs, free, free at last. This is so great, right? Here's the problem that oftentimes we interpret that Jesus makes me free as he makes me free so I can do what I want to. That's not the biblical gospel, okay? The gospel says this, we are set free what? From the bondage of sin when we give ourselves when? Completely to Christ. The freedom comes from sin. You are going to make yourself a slave to something. The question is what or who, okay? If you are in Christ, you are Christ's slave. And I know some of you are like, man, I still feel icky with that word. Okay, use a different word. We're going to call it bondservant. Some translations will use that, but now you know what that means. If you see bondservant, you understand what that means. It doesn't just mean, oh, I'll do stuff when I want to. No, it means He's in charge. He gets to call the shots. If I don't like what's going on, listen, it's not my deal. He gets to call the shots. That's what it means to follow Jesus, okay? So we're going to get to our final statement. If you're taking notes or if you're not, I would encourage you to take out something and write a few things down here this morning because I think this is going to be helpful for us. We're going to get to our final statement. It's at the bottom of your card, and I'll put it up on the screen here. It's this, I am his. I am his. Above all the things that we've talked about, this may be the most important one to understand, is that I am his. And I'm going I'm to look at this from three different angles this morning, all right? The first angle is this. This is a statement of devotion. I am his is a statement of devotion, right? You say, what part of me? All of me is his, right? Every bit of me. I'm his. He's the one in charge. He is my master. He is my Lord. He is my king in every way. He owns me. He gets it. Like, I'm his. That's it. It's a statement of devotion. And again, some people say, what about freedom? What about freedom? That's not the gospel to say, I'm just set free to go do what I want to. No, scripture says you will either be a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. You pick. You pick. Which one are you going to be a slave to? You have the choice. You call it freedom. That's called slavery to sin. That's what it's called. Go do what you want to. That's totally fine. God gives you that option. But that's called slavery to sin. But freedom that we want to experience, the fullness of the life that God has available to us, the good stuff that he has provided for us, that is found in Christ, in submission to him. And we only receive it when we say, yes, God, you are my master and I am all yours. That's where the good stuff is. That's where the freedom comes from, okay? Uh, there's a picture that I, I brought up to you guys about a year ago, and I pulled it out a handful of times, and I think this is a great time to bring it back up again. It's this picture of a, of a solar system. Some of you remember this. Some of you probably haven't seen this before. And I said, this is the way we think about our faith oftentimes, right? We think about this is our, our lives. This is my life. Here's my life. Here I am in the middle of my life, and then I have areas of my life. I've got my, my family. I've got my relationships. I've got my money, my time, my talents, all these kind of things, all the different areas of my life. I got my job here. I got my fun things I do, my little hobbies over here, little parts of my life. And I've got my faith because my faith is really important. I'm going to make that the closest planet right here. This is my faith. It's super important. But what we understand is when this is a picture of our life, everything revolves around us. So my marriage is about me. My money is about me. My time is about me. And ultimately, my faith is all about me. 
That's not what it means to follow Jesus. When we submit our lives to Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we take ourselves out of the middle of our life and we say, Christ, this is yours now. And so rather than there being a planet called faith, our whole life is called faith. My relationship is there to worship God. My, my marriage, my money, my time, my, everything in my life is here to surround Christ, to say, God, this is all about you. How can I orient my life around you? You are master, I am yours, right? That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so this statement that says, I am his, ultimately is as a statement of devotion to say, God, I'm, I'm yours in every way. And the, and the process of being a follower of Christ is growing in that reality because how many know we don't always live that way, right? I don't. And so it's, okay, God, here's another area where it's making it about me. God, I surrender that to you and may I bring that under your lordship. That's what it looks like to follow him. But I think this statement, I am his, is more than just a statement of devotion. I would say it's also a statement of identity. Identity. I am his. The easiest question when you say, who are you? I'm his. And what does that mean? He gets to call the shots of everything. Whatever he says, that's who I am. Whatever he says about me, I believe that. See, this is the, the crucial part of, of this whole idea of identity. Because if your identity is wrapped up in what you feel about yourself or what you think about yourself, it's going to be destructive to you. But if you say, God, I choose to find my identity in whatever you say, then what do we do to figure out who we are? All right, God, you say that I'm loved. Even though I don't feel it, that's what I believe, okay? You said I'm holy. Even though I don't feel it, that's what I believe. We begin to allow the truth of God's word to define us rather than ourselves. See, this is our problem. We're going around looking for everybody. Can you define me, fill me, make me feel understood? No, 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 no. God, what do you say? I'm going to believe that, okay? We get so passionate about what my truth is. I mean, you know, you've heard that before. I have my truth. You've got your truth, whatever. You know what my truth is? This. This is my truth. God, what do you say? And then I'll just believe that. And you want to talk about freedom. You want to talk about being free. Like there's freedom there where I'm not like, I'm not the one striving and figuring it out. Like, well, God, I'll just believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm his. Sweet. I don't care what you say about me. You could tear me apart. Okay, I'm his. I get wounded a little bit, but when I can come back to the reality of the truth and say, God, I trust you. I'm yours. I don't have to fight it on my own. And the more we can live from that posture, the healthier we are going to be as followers of Christ. Because we live in a world that's looking to kick our butts most of the time. And if we're looking for the world to be our source, we're in serious trouble. But it was never intended to be our source. Say, God, I'm yours. There's a, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about uh, that we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what does it look like to believe what God says? Here's what it looks like. When you have a thought, right? You have thought, and we have thoughts all the time. You have a thought, first question is, is it true? Is it in alignment with God's word? If it isn't, we take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take that captive, we say, that thought is not true. It does not align with what's God's word. Because sometimes you, you, you keep telling yourself, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, a, oh, I'm abandoned. Nobody cares about, I'm blah, blah, blah. You stop, you say, that's fine to feel it. Feelings aren't wrong. But feelings expose things. And in that moment, okay, I feel right now, I feel abandoned or, or I feel like I'm a failure. Okay, is that true? Okay, I'm going to bring it in a, under the authority of what God has to say about me. And I choose to believe this rather than what I'm feeling right now. Okay, 
Like, that's what it means to take captive every thought. And that's what us as believers need to do more and more. That more you can do that and live from truth rather than trying to attain out there, the better your life is going to be when it comes to following Christ, okay? So we got this statement, I am his. It's a statement of devotion. It is a statement of identity. And lastly, it is a statement of security, security. Why is this a statement of security? I am his. It's because this, your master is also a good father. Remember what I said. The experience of a slave was contingent on the character of their master. Think about that. Like back in Roman time, how the master is, so goes the experience. Well, what is our master like? What is the character of our Lord, the character of our King? Well, our master is faithful, is righteous, is good, is gentle and patient. He is love embodied. He is provider and our sustainer. He's our healer and our savior. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He is a supernatural, miracle-working kind of God. And he is a God who so loved the world that he gave his own son who left the glory of heaven to lay himself down on our behalf. That's what our master is like, okay? And in Christ, that God says, I am his. That's mine. I think about my kids all the time. Listen, my kids can have confidence in life, okay? Because they know they're mine. I'll protect them. I'll defend them. They are mine, right? You want to mess with my kids? You're going to get through me. And we have to have a reality and an understanding of who our God is. We are his. Somebody messes with me, the enemy starts attacking you. You say, back off. I'm his, okay? Back off. Don't come after me. I'm his. There is a confidence that can come from that. There's a security that comes from that, an understanding of whose we are, Okay? So I want to get to that statement here. We always have a big so what. So what was the point of this thing? Forget everything else that I've shared here today. And it's just simply this in this series. Remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. Who you are is very important. But it is grounded in whose you are. We understand this reality. It can shape us. It can begin to change us. And so I just simply ask the question, like when... When you have an important decision to make, right? Think about it. You have an important decision you make. What do you think about? I would pray that you would begin to think, I am his. Therefore, he gets to call the shots. What would bring most glory to him in this circumstance? You've got a financial decision. You've got a, a career decision. You've got an ethical decision. You've got some, whatever it is. Remember, this is a statement of devotion. I'm his, okay? Therefore, how should I respond? What should be the answer to this circumstance? Okay? I think about times when you, when you experience disappointment. Some of you are there right now. You're in the midst of experiencing disappointment and feeling disappointment. Things don't work out the way you want them to. You remember, I am his. That's a statement of identity. I am not this disappointment. I am not this failure. I am not this, no, I am his. That's who I am. I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. That's who I am. I'm his. And I can have a confidence there. I can, I can trust God in a deeper way because of that reality. 
Think about times when, when maybe you're experiencing a storm. You know, you're in a hard time. You don't know what's going on. You don't know where things are going to end up going, right? Some of you are living that. Maybe you have a health crisis at times. You have, uh, oh gosh, sorry. battle physical storms, right? You got stuff going on in your body that just doesn't work. I got those myself. And it drives me crazy sometimes. (laughs) But I have to remind myself I'm his. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Some of you are there. Being his doesn't mean, oh, I like everything. He does all the things I want. He's like Santa Claus. That's not how it works. He's my master. And so I'm his. And when he does the things that I want him to do, I'm just grateful. And when things don't work out the way I want it to be, I'm still his. And this is the attitude of a follower of Christ. It says, Jesus Learn perseverance through what he suffered. And sometimes it's the hard stuff that teaches us what it means to follow him. Okay? I know for Dan and Amanda, these last couple years have been horrible, having to deal with some of the stuff they dealt with. But I believe they look more like Jesus because of it. And for some of us, we need to gain an understanding of what does it mean to follow Christ. It's not just unicorns and butterflies. It's faithfully serving Christ and saying, I'm his no matter what. And I pray that we would get a hold of that reality. And I, as we close this series out, like I can't, I can't convince you of any of this stuff. Dug into our hearts. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would dig it into us, that we would know that who we are in Christ matters more than anything else. God, take this stuff Take the things, the stuff's going to end up rotting anyway. It's going to rust. It's going to grow old. The titles that you gained a hundred years from now, nobody's going to remember who you are. Sorry. All that matters is whose we are. So why don't we live like that now rather than wait till later? God, may we give you glory in everything. And so there's some of you here this morning, you know, I apologize if this is your first time. I usually don't break down balling here. But if this is your first time here this morning or maybe you're new to, new to faith or exploring faith, I pray that today could be the day that you say, God, I'm yours. I submit my life to you. I'm going to get in the boat today. And I'm going to receive the identity that I am his. For every one of us, the rest of us, my prayer is that the realities of this would go beyond a theological understanding and would go to something that we begin to live. That we would begin to live, that we would ask the question, Based on this circumstance, God, what is the best way that I can live out of the reality that I am his? Like, what do I need to do here to, 
to live as his. And I pray that that would begin to shape the way we think, the way we walk, the way that we talk, all right? If you would, would you stand with me across the room? I want us just to respond for a moment. With every head bow, every eye closed, can we just pray together for a moment? God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the invitation that you are constantly giving us. Lord, I pray that we would be those who are always responding to you, Jesus. That we always respond to you. God, I pray right now there's there's someone in this room, I believe, God, that, that wants to respond to you, that needs to respond to you. With every eye closed, every head bow, God, I, I just pray, uh, God, that you would just draw hearts, draw hearts right now. That's you this morning, and you're here, and you need to respond to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never given him. You've talked about adding Jesus to your life, but you've never said, God, I give myself to you. I make you my master, and I'm yours completely. If that's you this morning, you want to respond to him, I just challenge you to raise your hand across the room right now. Say, that's me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Yep. Yep. Anybody else across the room that wants to take that step? Several hands across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Church, can you repeat after me? Let's pray out loud together. Dear Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for loving me despite my brokenness. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died and rose again. And I need him as my savior. I ask forgiveness for my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn away from it. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Take my life, be my master, be my Lord. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I wanna pray over everyone else. God, I just pray right now that you would help us. Help us to understand the realities of this truth, God. God, I pray that we would not live selfish lives, that we wouldn't live lives caring for only what what we've got going on in our world, but Lord, may we, we recognize the reality that you are not just king, but God, may we make you king over our lives. May we center everything on you, Jesus. God, may we see everything through a lens of, okay, how should I live? Because I am his. God, may we look different. There should be a marked difference in our lives, and I pray that that would be true. Lord, I pray that this, the, the themes of this series, God, the ideas, Lord, would go beyond just a, a nice little time back in the fall of 2021, but I pray that there will be ripple effects of the realities of this identity in our lives, in our families, in our kids. The story of who, who we are, God, may be a bit changed as we live from our identity in Christ. We thank you for that, Jesus. Just for a moment, can we just say thank you, Jesus? Just have a moment of worship. You don't need a song to do it. Just to thank God for what he has done for you. God, we just praise you. We worship you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for guiding me. God, I thank you for leading me. God, I thank you for providing things that we don't understand. God, we praise you, Lord Jesus. God, help us to go from this place living for you, God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward at this time. Before you leave, if you need somebody uh, to pray over you, please do not leave. I encourage you to stick around and receive prayer. 
But again, I, we have those cards for you. This is the challenge. I want you to take it. For me, I'm going to put it on a mirror in my bathroom because I look there early because I like to check out and see if I look good, you know. Put it on your mirror. Put it somewhere where you see in the morning and take 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and just simply pray, God, help me to live from this today. And I pray it would begin to shape us. If you didn't grab one, grab one on the way out the door. The ushers will have an extra one for you there, okay? Otherwise, you guys have a great week, and we will see you back again next Sunday. Love you guys. This Wednesday night, for worship night as well.